Welcome to the third season of PEBC's Phenomenal Teaching Podcast. My name is Michelle Morris-Jones, and in this season, I'll be sharing conversations with educators and leaders who are making schools and classrooms more phenomenal than ever before by implementing community, planning, workshop, thinking strategies, discourse, and assessment practices that promote agency, equity, and understanding for each and every learner. I am honored to share these conversations of innovation and passion with all of you. Thank you so much for listening in. At PEBC, we believe that each and every student deserves a great educator. In many of today's classrooms and schools, leaders are struggling to fill vacancies with high-quality teachers who are well-prepared for the rigorous yet rewarding work of teaching. We are also well aware of the shortage of substitute teachers and other school-based professionals who serve students in many, many ways. So it is with this concern in mind that I am joined by Annette Konoski-Graff, from Teach Colorado and Jet Krosner from Douglas County Schools to examine the teacher shortage and the ways to mitigate this crisis. Annette and Jack, welcome to the Phenomenal Teaching Podcast. Thanks, Michelle. Glad to be here. Thanks, Michelle. I just am really, really excited for our conversation today. I think we all three know and believe that without high quality teachers, we simply can't have phenomenal teaching. And so I wanna start off with gratitude by thanking you both for joining me today and to really help us understand and unpack this issue in the state of Colorado and perhaps across the nation. But let's start off with some introductions. Annette, can you tell us a little bit about you and Teach Colorado? Sure, Michelle. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here, and I'm grateful to all of the educators who are listening to this podcast right now. Uh, my name is Annette, and I am very lucky to be the senior program manager of an initiative, a statewide initiative called Teach Colorado. Um, we are somewhat new. We launched in August of 2019 as a multi-sector effort between all the acronyms in the state, so the Department of Ed, the Department of Higher Ed, Department of Labor and Employment, also, of course, PEBC and the Colorado Education Initiative. Who that long list aside, the goal is to increase the number of applicants to Colorado teacher preparation programs and diversify the pool of applicants to Colorado teacher prep programs. So teachcolorado.org is our free one-stop shop website for anyone interested in becoming a licensed educator in Colorado. Um, and I'll wax poetic on what Teach Colorado provides in a little bit so I can pass it off to Jack. Thank you. So Jack, you are also deeply invested in hiring and retention of high quality teachers and leaders. Do you mind chiming in with a little bit about you and your role in Douglas County? Sure. Well, I'm currently the Human Resources Director for Douglas County, uh, and I'm involved in a number of projects, primarily um, in teacher recruitment. Douglas County is, is is currently the third largest school district in Colorado. And I've been involved in human resources work with uh, a variety of school districts, but most of my time has been with Douglas County. Uh, 27 years, as a matter of fact, um, in human resources. Uh, in that effort, I've uh, interviewed thousands of teacher candidates over the years and been responsible for getting uh, a lot of those great teachers hired uh, in the various districts I've been with. Um, I feel like because of that experience, I can speak about you know my experience in Douglas County, but also what uh, Colorado is facing in terms of in terms of teacher shortages. Wow, Jack, thank you so much. It's this is going to be an amazing conversation because you both bring such different perspectives, but that same passion 
for a high quality teacher workforce and teacher leaders. So, you know, if we listen in to the media or if we, you know, listen in with our teacher colleagues, I hear things like unreasonable workloads, a lack of professional respect, um, a desire not to be tossed into the political churn, a lack of resources, low salaries, burnout, early retirement. Those are all being reported anecdotally and in the media as reasons for the teacher shortage right now. From your perspectives, what's happening in Colorado? What's feeding into the teacher shortage or perhaps across the country? Annette, do you want to tell us kind of your perspective from the state level? Sure. Oh, that was a gnarly list, Michelle. I know. Um, and it's an, and it's probably even longer than that um, because the teacher pipeline um, needs bolstering at so many different you know segments in so many different areas. It starts with recruitment and it goes all the way through to professional development and career ladders. So sometimes I think one of the challenges we face is we uh, are focused on one part of the teacher pipeline, but we don't do any of the other parts. And so then that one part that we did focus on ends up being a bit null and void. Um, in Colorado, the teacher shortage, you are right, has been all over the news. And it certainly is a real thing, but only in some areas and in some subjects. Rural communities have a truly dire teacher shortage, while urban communities often have a teacher mismatch. Um, so just to give a little bit of a statewide context, uh, districts in for the 2020-2021 school year, Districts reported having to hire for more than 7,000 teaching positions, which is about 13% of the teaching positions across the state. Um, of the total teaching positions to hire, um, uh, roughly 2% remained unfilled for the entire school year, and about 1,000 were filled through a shortage mechanism, which could mean hiring a long-term sub, bringing back a retired educator, increasingly challenging to do, by the way, um, uh, emergency authorization candidates, all sorts of ways to kind of mitigate these, these shortages. Um, I could go into the content area specifics, which I'd love to do because special education, we just need to like be talking about special ed exclusively. Um, but I'll give the floor to Jack so I don't talk too much. <laughs> Thank you so much. So Jack, take us into a district perspective. Sure. What does this look like for you? You know, it's funny because both of you uh, used words that I've been using as well. Uh, things like dire uh, and, and mismatch in terms of, uh, you know, in almost the three decades of teacher recruitment that I've done in Colorado, uh, there have been cycles of teacher shortages, and they've been talking about teacher shortages forever, but I have never seen anything like this school year. Um, this is this is probably the worst I've ever seen. And I know that um, rural school districts have been facing this for years, uh, and that's and that's right. Um, mm -hmm. there, there have been teacher shortages in the rural districts forever because they not only have to uh, compete with uh, nationwide for teachers, but they also have to compete with us, uh, the, the the urban and suburban school districts who um, we have uh, spot shortages, but the spot shortages for us have gotten larger this year. And and those shortages for us are, uh, of course, most of the special education classrooms, math, uh, ELL, Spanish language teachers, um, the, the state of Colorado doesn't produce enough of these uh, candidates to fill um, not only our own school, uh, Douglas County, but, but all of the, the rest of the state as well. 
Uh, I can remember going into um, doing some student panel discussions at UNC, for instance, and walking in and seeing um, next year's student teachers. And I would see maybe 200 uh, student teachers, potential student teachers out there. And I would ask them for uh, subject areas. And I would ask, for instance, like who, who's gonna be teaching math? And I would see maybe five hands out of the 200. So, you know, you, you just, um, the, the pipeline isn't there. And we've got to do a lot more to convince people that, um, uh, you know, they can be phenomenal teachers for us. Absolutely. So I think that is the, a great place for us to take our conversations and in, into possible solutions because we're going to continue to have many, 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 many students in the state of Colorado and across the nation. And for those of us who are educators, all of us on this call, the love of teaching and learning and spending our days with children and with teachers and with school leaders has been our life's work. And so we're deeply invested into the success and successful outcomes for kids within our, within our profession. So let's shift into possible solutions. How are education leaders in Colorado mitigating this problem? And that maybe you can talk a little bit about the state level and then um, Jack, you can take us into the district level and let's just hear some, some possible ideas. Thankfully, this list, Michelle, I think is just as long as the list of barriers or challenges you mentioned earlier. Um, Hearteningly, to Jack's point about uh, Colorado not pr producing the number of teacher candidates that are needed, uh, the data between 2015 and 2020 demonstrate an increase in the number of teacher candidates that are graduating from traditional teacher preparation programs and alternative teacher preparation programs in Colorado. So um, <clears throat> the, the uh, increase is small and likely does not match the um, increase in student population that we're, that we're obviously going to see as time goes on. Um, but just some good news just to start us off. So Teach Colorado, it was brought to the state to provide all sorts of resources for people who are considering entering the classroom, um, from information on community college pathways to teaching, rural education in the state, information for veterans who are interested in transi transitioning into the workforce. So really we wanna support anyone, no matter their background, whether you're a high school student considering the classroom, a college student who hasn't yet declared a major, a career changer interested in a new path, I see you math and science teachers, you are out there. Um, so what we have are current classroom educators who are also experts on licensure, who can serve as advisors to anyone interested in, in acquiring their teaching license, or even just curious, like. Can I do that? How do I do that? Um, you can sign up for a one-on-one -on -one session on teachcolorado.org to determine your next step to getting a teaching license. We thankfully, and this is how I've befriended the wonderful Jack, who I've learned so much from, we partner with school districts and teacher prep programs um, across the state. We've partnered with 100% of the teacher prep programs. And if someone subscribes with Teach Colorado, which is just name and email, and then applies to any of the Colorado teacher prep programs, we will provide them with up to $100 back to pay for any application-related expense. So some of those barriers that you were talking about earlier, ah, application fees, for example, we are seeking to cover. Recent legislation from the last cycle, so the beginning of 2021, is also really heartening. There is a Senate bill that is now law, SB 185, if anyone wants to look it up, 
look it up. That um, is really a, uh, a product of 10 years of advocacy on the state level for the teaching profession. And it is a watershed moment for Colorado because there are so many things included in this in this new law. Um, there are uh, there's an, there's funding for folks pursuing teacher preparation programs. Um, there's support for um, adjunct educators in rural communities, allowing folks from the community to come in and teach the needed subjects in those for, to solve those dire, as Jack said, rural teacher shortages. Um, there, it creates new concurrent enrollment opportunities for high school students who are interested in teaching, and of course it. And this is, you know, the product of Amy Baca-Olert's advocacy from CEA. It creates an educator well-being and mental health program to provide support services for educators who are serving students in, in Colorado's public um, schools, which is now more than ever especially critical. Um, uh, I'll pass it off to Jack, but remind me, Michelle, because I'd love to talk a little bit more about rural specifically. Okay. That sounds great. So let's, yeah, let's transition to Jack because I think Annette, you shared with us kind of a systems approach. I mm -hmm. mean, I think with Teach Colorado, like kind of the technology and just the infrastructure has caught up so that, like you said, that's that idea of an, a one-stop shop to get totally. people in the door. And yep. then the state of Colorado is now putting in place some systems, again, to get teachers in the door, but it sounds like also to support current teachers. So Jack, what does that look like in a district? What are some yeah. possibilities? What's going on for you? Well, I think that uh, in order to talk about I know, what we can be doing, I think we have to look at what caused the problem to begin with. You know, we have been for decades um, banking on our quality of life, which is great. I mean, that's the reason why I moved to Colorado from Illinois, you know, decades ago. Um, but, you know, we haven't, um, uh, we haven't paid them adequately. Uh, not at all. And so when we go out recruiting, uh, and we do recruit nationwide, um, we will be uh, sitting next to a, a, an urban school district, say on the East Coast or or elsewhere, where uh, their starting salaries are tens of thousands of dollars more than Colorado's. And we continue to fall behind in terms of teacher salaries. And that's really, really disheartening because um, I think that, uh, uh, Annette, you talked about, you know, some of the reasons why um, we are in the shortage. And that's that's always going to be a factor is that salary, uh, you know, of uh, adequately compensating teachers. Uh, as I, I think I shared with you, Michelle, that, you know, I, I recruited pretty heavily uh, back in the day in New Mexico because there was a disparity. Well, now we are on the uh, receiving end of uh, losing teachers because of disparity with other uh, states. Um, so our, our education leaders are really stuck in the middle of, of these problem areas that uh, they're trying to navigate uh, the problem areas at the same time, um, uh, not having adequately adequate resources to, to address the problem. So I think what's really come to a head right now is that the pandemic has entered into the equation as well. It's kind of that perfect storm of, you know, a smaller pipeline, uh, inadequate pay. And now we have teachers uh, leaving by the droves because um, 
for those individuals who are thinking about retirement, maybe a year or two years down the road, they've decided now is the time. Mm -hmm. So it's really exasperated a problem that we've had, um, you know, in attracting teachers, retaining teachers. Yeah, absolutely. So when you think about, you know, Jack, your role in, in the third largest district in the state of Colorado, what systems and structures or actions are school leaders putting into place to maintain the current teaching force? Or, or, or in what ways is your district are you trying anything innovative to, to you know, recruit new teachers? Because it, sure. it sounds like it's an uphill battle. It is. And, and I think that one of the things that we are doing in Douglas County is um, we have a unique um, issue with compensation that uh, a number of years ago, um, there was um, an attempt to radically change how teachers were paid. Um, that has not worked out for us. And so we are looking to get back to a compensation plan that is far more predictable for teachers. So that's one of the things we are doing. Mm -hmm. um, we're not there yet. Uh, we, we hope to be there soon. Um, we, do, we do have to look at recruiting teachers differently, and, and we're still struggling with that. I, mean, I don't know if we have a plan for the immediate future as to exactly what we have to do to, uh, to pivot um, on teacher recruitment. And teacher retention is, is huge, too. I mean, th that's always the back door of uh, teacher recruitment is that if we can keep the teachers we have, that we don't have to recruit as many. Right. So, you know, anything that we can be doing in terms of teacher retention, we should be doing. Absolutely. So, Annette, I know you want to talk a little bit about the rurals. I do. And I also just want to jump in and and uh, add a, add something that I know some district leaders are pursuing, which is instead of recruiting externally, they're looking internally mm -hmm. at their paraprofessionals, all their non-licensed staff and saying, oh, my goodness, this is a diverse cohort of people who are frequently dedicated to some of these shortage areas that we're talking about, many of whom already have their bachelor's degree and could easily pursue an alternative licensure pathway. Just to give an example, so Teach Colorado provides um, sort of like info form materials for districts to use with their non-licensed staff and their high school students to determine who within the school building is interested in becoming a teacher. Poudre School District, in it does their survey with their non-licensed staff members, 107 people completed it, 106 of them interested in becoming a teacher, more than 50% already with bachelor's degrees, more than 80% interested in a shortage area. So to the extent that we can um, consider the resources that we already have and um, support the elevation of those folks who are already demonstrating their commitment to students every day, I think that's pretty critical. Um, and now if I talk about rural specifically, I so appreciate, Jack, your focus on well, we have to know the problem before we create a solution. And that is so true. One thing I wanted to mention on this podcast was that there's a difference even among rural communities. You know, not every rural community is the same. There is cowboy boot rural and ski boot rural. And you have to consider the unique challenges facing teachers and um, districts in those areas. So housing, Obviously, the primary issue in ski boot rural communities, full stop, convincing people to work in a small town without mountain sports can be a primary issue in cowboy boot rural communities. But just to give um, an extent, just to paint a little context on Colorado's rural opportunities for folks who are interested in teaching. Um, <clears throat> 
I'm going to throw some more numbers at you. I'm sorry for being just the numbers person on this. A, a Colorado school district is considered rural if it has fewer than 6,500 students and small rural if it has fewer than 1,000 students. There are 178 school districts in the state. More than 82% of those are considered rural or small rural. And 88 districts, or roughly half of the districts in the state, have fewer than 500 students, which is absolutely wild. So if anyone is listening to the podcast and thinking, wow, that's wild, I couldn't agree more. And there are opportunities available to you in rural communities right now teaching nearly every subject. Um, if you haven't also visited an exceptionally rural part of the state, I encourage it. Um, we, I drove down to Campo, Colorado for the day, population of the town, 103. Um, there, I went with a friend of mine who teaches at UCCS. He's a professor. He drives the four and a half hours one way every single week to teach a math class in Campo's school. They wouldn't have a math teacher otherwise. So there are people, you know, doing truly, you know, committing truly Herculean efforts on behalf of students. And I agree with Jack. Um, we also just need to pay teachers more. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that leads us to the next phase of the conversation. We've talked about the current state. We've talked about some possible solutions that we're exploring right now at the state or district level. So let's think forward thinking. How can we be proactive um, obviously, the salary and compensation piece is huge. Annette, you've kind of touched a little bit on growing your own, but what are the reasons to be hopeful? And, and from both of your perspectives, what would be some proactive solutions to this problem? You start Jack, us off, Jack. Okay. Well, you know, I think that, um, uh, Annette, you started talking about grow your own programs, and that, that certainly is huge. And and there's some national programs that we should be looking at as well. Uh, I think there's a program called Teachers Rising. Um, mm -hmm. Educators a, Rising. Educators Rising, rising mm -hmm. which is, you know, is a kind of a teacher cadet type of a program. We should be exploring that uh, just uh, statewide, actually. Um, I think that targeted scholarships and loan forgiveness needs to be expanded uh, to encourage, uh, you know, uh, being in rural school districts and in, in uh uh, hard to fill positions. Uh, I think that um, marketing the state as a whole, it needs mm -hmm. to be a far more uh, uniform and coordinated effort on the part of the state to market the the, the state. And, and I think that uh, programs like Teach Colorado is a perfect example of what's, what's being done, but it should be expanded and it should be uh, additional resources should be given to those kinds of organizations to make sure that, uh, you know, they're, they can be more successful. Um, again, all of these require funding. Yeah. You know, I, I hate that it comes back to that. And I would say that uh, we would be remiss if we don't also talk about the need to um, to address the diversity issue with, with, with staff, that we really need to be doing a far better job of recruiting teachers of color um, uh, into all of our school districts. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So Annette, I'll when you think about that from a state perspective or a systems perspective, um, Jack just laid out some incredible ideas, thinking about the ways in which we can recruit teachers of color, marketing the state in different ways, um, the idea of targeted scholarships and loan forgiveness. I mean, the price of secondary education right now is so high. And so if 
for individuals thinking about entering teaching, which is known as a, you know, a lower salary field, I can see that the conundrum there. And then of course the grow your own. What else, Annette? Oh, there's so many good ones there. Um, let's start with diversity because I agree with Jack that that is a, a needs to be a leading focus. Um, we know that promoting teacher diversity benefits all students. Extensive research demonstrates the value of diversity in school. It allows students to question their assumptions and experience different backgrounds and cultures. And Colorado, frankly, has a responsibility to its students who reflect such profound cultural, racial, linguistic to diver diversity to celebrate that diversity by prioritizing it among educators. So one way that Teach Colorado endeavors to do that is by um, forming partnerships and um, promoting resources from organizations that explicitly serve communities of color. We have two brand new resources on our site, a future Black Educators Hub um, and a future Latinx Educators Hub that includes scholarship opportunities and um, connections with organizations that um, focus on future and current educators of color. Um, so thank you, Jack, for bringing that up. I couldn't agree more. Some years ago, I taught ninth and 10th grade in um, Little Haiti, Miami. And I once asked my students to write down 10 things that they like about themselves. And one of my students who frequently missed school and um, struggled academically left her list on my desk upon leaving class. And her list said, number one, nothing. Number two, nothing. Number three, nothing. All the way through to number 10. And I wonder, had my student had um, more teachers who looked like her, knew her experiences, understood her reality. Would she had would she have had an easier time seeing and loving herself? Um, so, Jack, thank you for focusing on diversity. I, I was very glad you brought that up. Um, I agree with you that um, focusing on pre-service teaching opportunities is a really big opportunity for us. We have a new Try Teaching page that includes links from AmeriCorps, Teacher Cadet, as you mentioned, Breakthrough, um, City Year, all the different organizations in Colorado that are providing folks with this opportunity to say, hey, you know what, maybe teaching's for me. Um, I also think there's two other um, opportunities. One is through substitute teachers. Um, there are opportunities right now, if you have a high school diploma, to be a substitute teacher. And if you've never substituted a day in your life, you can attend a substitute teacher boot camp being run by the Colorado Department of Ed and Teach Colorado. And then once you sub for at least one day, you can receive a $300 stipend from um, the Colorado Center for Rural Ed, whether you're teaching in a rural or urban um, community. So definitely encourage folks to check out substitute teaching because that's a cool pathway into the profession. The other thing is job seekers. I mean, it's really amazing. We have a monthly webinar that we run through Connecting Colorado, which is sort of the state's um, uh platform for folks who are seeking employment. Um, and that has been a really incredible place for us to tap into people who maybe our second career are thinking, wow, I'd really like to make a difference. I'd really like to shape the future. How can I do that? Um, and teaching has been um, more popular than I think I, I gave folks credit for. So um, that's heartening. Um, loan forgiveness, we have a scholarships page, and I agree that that is an area that we could do a better job. There are opportunities for um, stipends for folks who are pursuing an alternative licensure pathway in an alternative community um, or in a rural community. So I definitely encourage folks to check out the scholarship page that we have. Um, 
expansion, Jack. You are just the best advocate of Teach Colorado and programs that serve teachers. So couldn't agree more on expansion being an exciting idea. We're going to have to look to early childhood education too. I mean, we, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about how Oh, my goodness. In the coming years, as the governor prioritizes universal pre-K, we're going to have to fill those classrooms with teachers. So that's definitely one of those expansion areas that we are interested in. Absolutely. So as we bring our conversation to a close this morning, I'm thinking about big wins. Um, What might other school districts, states, professionals take away from this conversation What's something that is an action step that we, being the education you know, field or those who advocate for educators, what can we do right away? What's going to make an impact? Michelle, one of the things that I'm being asked to, to, to do pretty, uh, um, pretty often lately is that uh, we are uh, looking at creative ways to use um, um, authorizations and, and licenses in a way that they haven't been thought about before. I mean, we have to get creative about what authorizations are available to us. Um, and for those of you who aren't um, familiar with licenses and authorizations in Colorado, we only have a, a initial license and a professional license. Mm-hmm. And then everything else that we use to get teachers in the classroom are called authorizations. So um, substitute licenses are actually authorizations um, and, and so forth. But an alternative license is really an author, authorization. So um, it is really about right away uh, making sure that we really understand what authorizations are available to us as we uh, look to stem the tide. Mm-hmm. So I've been asked to look at authorizations in a way that we haven't in the past. And so, you know, staying within the, the boundaries of CDE and, you know, and a shout out to CDE, by the way, they have been great partners uh, in recent years with school districts and helping us uh, navigate our shortages as well. But um, it really is about having uh, people like um, the individuals at Colorado, uh, at, at Teach Colorado, who are experts at licensure that understand how we might be able to creatively use what we already have in order to fill some of the needs. So that's something we can be doing immediately. I, I fill that function in Douglas County, but I, I know that rural school districts don't necessarily have an individual like me. And so they're gonna need a statewide resource that they can contact um, and, and, and to help fill some of those needs. Wow, Jack, thank you for bringing that up because it's, it's that's that idea of removing barriers and thinking a little bit outside the box. Mm-hmm. We have some boundaries in our system to protect children and protect students and to make sure that we have people in classrooms who are responsible adults who have the skills to lead those students in learning and and to be safe. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we have teacher licensure programs and Mm -hmm. authorizations, but I really appreciate the way that you just elevated for us to, to think about that a little bit differently and to remove some of those barriers because there might be some individuals who are very highly qualified to be in the classroom but might not necessarily have the right paperwork, if you will. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Jack. Annette, from you, what is a, what's a big win? What's something we can do right away? 
Yeah. Okay. So I, there's a big win that relates to what you guys just were talking about, which was some of the barriers to entry to the profession in terms of paperwork, which may be something like the praxis exam, which disproportionately hinders candidates of color from entering the profession. And in the last legislative session, there was another bill passed um, that is now law that requires teacher preparation programs in the state to report Praxis exam passage rates, as well as um, enrollment and graduation rates at each teacher prep program, broken down by gender and race. So this is an important step in doing exactly what Jack mentioned earlier, which is recognizing the problem um, before you try to implement any solutions. So I think that will be a really important um, piece of data for us going forward. One big win there. I love Jack's idea to think creatively. And it's year two, which just it, which ended August 31st. I think there are 31 days in August, yes. Um, uh, Teach Colorado supported, um, uh, so Teach Colorado subscribers ended up submitting more than 1,100 applications to Colorado teacher preparation programs. So this is heartening and exciting. And um, if you look at the number of um, classroom position, teaching positions that ended up unfilled for the entire school year or filled by a shortage mechanism, as I mentioned at the beginning of this call, those numbers roughly line up. So we are hopeful that those 11,000 or uh, 1,100 applications, God, wouldn't that be great if it were 11,000 applications? Um, we're hopeful that those either um, in the immediacy or in two to four years down the line will have an impact on teacher shortage areas and hopefully decrease the problem. We're certainly going to continue endeavoring to bring as many passionate, committed folks into the profession that truly is the most important profession in the world. Wow. Thank you, Annette. Again, remove some, some of those barriers and get folks in classrooms so they can do this phenomenal, phenomenal job and to work with kids and to, to really, like you said, impact the future. So as our last question for our time together today what is your call to action? What do you want people to be thinking about? You know, it would have to be that uh, um, we all have to work together. I, I think that sometimes we are in our own silos and kind of promoting our, our own efforts um, and not necessarily thinking about the, the, the needs of the, the whole group. So really, there are uh, groups, individual groups that are working to uh, push their own agendas and we really have to be better at talking to each other and saying, and, and, and for me, you know, I'm always going to be advocating for rural school districts, even though um, we're not a rural school district, obviously, right? Uh, it's a funny story associated with that is that decades ago, when I was a director of recruitment for Douglas County, uh, we had a, a university come to us with a proposal, and there was a proposal was for rural school districts. And I said, we're not a rural school district. And they said, well, you have three rural communities. And I said, yeah, but we're not. So they considered us a rural school district, although I knew for a fact that we weren't. But we really have to be advocating for each other. And I certainly want to be make, I'm beginning to understand the needs of rural school districts. So we're beginning to see the same kinds of shortages that they've always had. So it really is about uh, all of us uh, look, looking to a solution and working together as a team as opposed to just uh, uh, pushing forward our own agendas. Wow. Thank you, Jack. Annette, how about for you? 
That's so thoughtful, Jack, because I do think that teacher preparation programs in school districts making sure that they are communicating, coordinating with each other is a really, really um, important part of that puzzle. So I appreciate that focus. Um, I would encourage everyone listening right now to visit teachcolorado.org and send it to anyone in your life who you think might even remotely consider the prospect of becoming an educator. We did some marketing research and found that among a bunch of different demographics. The most powerful message for folks that would compel them to join the profession is um, shape the future, teach. Mm -hmm. And that has become Teach Colorado's tagline. And we um, are definitely heartened by the number of people who are coming out of this pandemic with with optimism and with hope and with determination and uh, with a renewed sense of what I hope is community. Um, And teaching is certainly a way to foster community. So shout out to everyone listening. Go visit teachcolorado.org. So Annette, it just reminds me of, you know, uh, again, I've I've interviewed thousands and thousands of uh, teacher candidates. And the one thing that I look for, which is common to all great teachers, is that they want to make a difference. And they will articulate that in very many ways. And I ask, you know, I ask 10 questions and probably nine of those questions get to, you know, do they want to make a difference? And and uh, that's that's the quality that we're looking for. So anyone, you know, if they're if they are, you know, flying planes or driving buses or waitressing or whatever they're doing, um, if they want to make a difference, teaching is the number one way. Couldn't agree more, Jack. Wow, and I want to thank both of you for making the difference that you're making in teacher recruitment and helping individuals find their pathway into this amazing profession that um, is unlike anything else we could be called to do. So thank you both. Thank you, Michelle. Michelle. Have fun. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening in. The Phenomenal Teaching Podcast is brought to you by PEBC, Public Education and Business Coalition, and is intended to elevate the strands of the PEBC teaching framework, which is illustrated in Wendy Wardhofer's book, Phenomenal Teaching. PEBC is headquartered in Denver, Colorado, but works both locally and nationally to cultivate agency, equity, and understanding for each and every learner. PEBC provides customized on-site professional development and coaching for schools and districts, facilitates a variety of institutes and seminars, and offers an array of online learning experiences for all educators. We also prepare new teachers via the PEBC Teacher Residency Program. Check us out at pebc.org. Thank you.